Hello, and welcome to Dope Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Bikita Pegram, and I am going to give you something to think about. Hello, hello, hello. How are y'all? Man, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy month, but I am glad to take a moment to slow down to talk to one of my old friends, someone I admire tremendously from going back in the day to Jackson State University, the I love. Yes, you know, I'm always going to shout out my university. I don't care how you feel about it. But (laughs) yes, Jackson State is where I met this man. His name is Brad Kamikaze Franklin, and he's been described as a hip hop artist, entrepreneur, writer, motivational speaker, consultant, and activist. And that's the part that has has him on the show today. I do consider him an activist. I do consider him a hip hop artist. And he has found a way to merge those two and make his community proud. And I follow him on um, Instagram. I follow him on Facebook. And he always has something wise to say. And he always has something that's going to make you think. And I wanted to bring him on because you know that's what we do. We make you think. And today we have Brad and Brad is going to help us talk about getting beyond the beat, getting beyond the mic. What can artists do to be a part of the social justice movement? How can we use music as a vehicle for social justice? So welcome on, Brad. Hey, what's going on? Nothing. It's been a minute. I thank you for that. It's been a very long time. It's been a very long time. Too too long. Too long. But it's very good to see you. You too. So we, um, I just thank you for taking the invite and we're going to jump right into the questions because I know your time okay. is valuable. Okay. So my first question for you is what role do music and artists play in the social justice movement for our black community? <clears throat> I mean, when you, when you talk about social justice or if you talk about, um, music uh, as a conduit for artists to talk about what's happening in the community. Music has always been a part of social justice. Uh, the two kind of go hand in hand. Even when you go back to the civil rights movement, uh, music was very integral in, in what was happening in the fifties and the sixties. Uh, even in the seventies and eighties, uh, when different things were happening, when we kind of evolved out of the civil rights movement and got into other social issues, uh, when we're talking about war, you're talking about <clears throat> abortion, uh, you're talking about poverty, you know, music has always been the soundscape for what's been happening in the world. Right. So, you know, when you talk about those things merging, I mean, they're, they kind of go hand in hand. Right. So, uh, music is a reflection of what's happening in society. It's a reflection of what you see on the news every day. Uh, so whatever's happening in the world, uh, if the world is, is sick, then the music is going to reflect that. If the world is angry, then the music is going to reflect that. Uh, if the world is confused and conflicted, then a lot of times the music is going to reflect that. So yeah. <clears throat> music plays a huge part. In, in social justice, uh, it, it's the soundtrack to, you know, what's happening on the ground, uh, right. so to speak. So, um, and I, that's that's going to always be the case, and it's always been the case. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you think about hip-hop, that's exactly where hip-hop was birthed from, 
was a reflection mm-hmm. of what's going on in our community. When you think about um, KRS-One, Public Enemy, those artists right. did just that. So can you think right. of any artists besides yourself that is doing that right now? Uh, I mean, there's... I mean, there's a lot of artists that are touching on social issues. Kendrick Lamar <clears throat> is touching on social issues. Big Crit is touching on social issues. J. Cole is touching on social issues. Uh, there's a, an MC that uh, is from Baton Rouge, or actually from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, but you know, kind of got his name in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, by the name of Marcel P. Black. Um, there's Immortal Technique. Uh, there's Wow. There's a lot of artists right now that are kind of speaking on social issues that are going on out there, Uh, whether you talk about some of your more mainstream artists, even down to a lot of your independent artists. Uh, So, you know, that's just to name a few. Uh, But those first three names, Kendrick and Crit and J. Cole, those are people who are probably more familiar to a wider audience. But you can always find in their music, you can always find social issues and social justice issues that go along with the other more popular music that they have. And luckily, you know, that popular music helps to draw people in for them to hear those messages. So there's a lot of people out there, you know, like like I said, offline, people have to dig because it's there. Uh, Google is your friend. You can research and you can find a lot of these artists that are talking about social justice issues. Uh, You've got a young lady by the name of Chica that is out of Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, You've got a young lady by the name of No Name, uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of artists yeah. that are talking about social justice issues. A lot of them have social justice issues as the focal point of their music. Then mm-hmm. you have a lot who touch on social justice issues <clears throat> within their music as well. Right. So it's there uh, yeah. and it's very prominent, but it's not something that you're going to see out in the forefront right. of the industry. But that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, even... You know, in the 80s, you know, in the early 90s, people remember the period, you know, where X-Clan and Public Enemy was really big and everybody was wearing the African medallions and uh, everybody kind of had a a Afrocentric feel to their music and the Native Tongues was out, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul and Moni Love and the Jungle Brothers. Um, You know, even during that time, you know, those artists were really prominent, but it still was not something that was put at the focal point of you know the industry yeah uh, you know that wasn't something that was going to be promoted first of all above those things but you know it found its way but you know right. of course out of that period where we had the afrocentric music that gave birth to the gangster rap period right uh you know and it just cycles out and i think music is in that cycle right now anytime it leans heavily towards one genre it always writes itself after a little while and then it flips and it goes back so we're, you know, at the cusp of getting to the age of artists, you know, touching on social issues uh, and talking about social justice issues because we've had a period for so long of the other type of music. Yeah. So naturally, things always fix themselves. And that's just the cycle that goes on. And even after this period of enlightenment where we have conscious music, that's going to give birth to something else on the other end, because that's the way consumers ears are and that's the way the world is things always cycle out 
And I'm glad you said that. I asked you about the artist because I wanted you to name some for our audience that may not know about J. Cole, may not know about some of the local rappers that you're mentioning, because I think every major city is going to have a local rapper that's doing it. But I think it's up to the consumer to to broadcast. Hey, I'm listening to um, Big Crit. And man, mm-hmm. I, I love this song. Just like we uh, big up Cardi B and some of the other people that aren't necessarily doing social justice and right. conscious rap. But right. I guess my next question for you would be, what do you consider conscious rap? Because I think we need to break that down because maybe they don't know. I mean, I hate the term conscious rap mm-hmm. because it definitely pigeonholes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and immediately when people hear the term conscious rap, uh, a lot of people get turned off by it because they already have an idea of what they think they're going to hear right. in the music. Right. So I hate using that term. Um, but conscious rap really is anything that, you know, you speak about while you're conscious and you're awake uh, <laughs> and you're watching what's going on and you're living life. Uh, right. If you're conscious and you're aware of your surroundings, and you are making music within that framework, uh, to me, that's conscious rap. Um, I'm glad you it's said that. Basi- it's, it's basically talking about what's going on in the world. Right. However you choose to deliver it depends upon the individual. However you choose to receive it depends upon the individual. But uh, I think everything, in a sense, is conscious rap. Yes. Uh, if, you are, if you are talking about your environment and your environment is a violent environment. If your environment is, is an impoverished environment, if your environment is uh, uh, a confused and conflicted environment, that's going to come out in the music. Yeah. So even the people that do the music that, you know, they say that they don't like, if it glorifies violence or if it glorifies this or, mm-hmm. or that, you know, that's that particular person's reality. Right. That's their conscious reality of what they're going through. So it's not up to the artist to change what they're experiencing in their conscious lives. Yes. It's up to us to change the world that they are a reflection of. So like if we that. don't want violence to be talked about. If we don't want <laughs> violence and poverty to be glorified in the music, then we should do something to lower the numbers of people who are living in violence and living in poverty. That's mm. not the music's job to right. do that. Art reflects what goes on in the world. And I think people need to understand that, whether it's music. You know, people put that on music all the time. Mm -hmm. And then some people try to put it on Hollywood. Some people try to put it on education. You know, all of these things are a reflection of what's happening in the world. So if you want to change music, then you have to be a part of changing what's happening in the world. You don't want people to see poverty. You don't want them to rap about poverty. You don't want them to rap about gangbanging. You don't want them about you don't want them to rap about selling dope. Then try to eliminate or at least lower the instances where they're going to be surrounded by people selling dope and poverty. Uh, so that's kind of how that works. So if you don't want the reality to be in the music, change the reality. You have to change the reality, uh, and I think people are going about it because it's easy to point fingers. It's easy for people to use music as a scapegoat, mm-hmm. but you know people have been using music as a scapegoat since the fifties, you know, when rock and roll came about, you know, rock and roll was supposed to be the reason why, you know, kids were going out smoking cigarettes and having sex. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> music was supposed to be the reason why people were smoking weed in the sixties and dodging the draft and not going to Vietnam and seventies, right. you know, the free love era, you know, the music, 
you know, was responsible for them doing that. No, that was what was happening in the world. And the music was just a reflection yeah. of that. So, you know, if we had violence, if we had drug abuse, if we had poverty in the 50s and 60s, who was to blame at that time? If you're right. going to blame the artists that exist now, was there anybody out there at the time that was saying that, uh, you know, Wilson Pickett or, right. you know, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Wilson or, or any of these other artists out there that they were responsible for what was happening in the world at that time. No, they were making music reflecting on the world that they saw yeah. as black men yeah. in the fifties and sixties. Uh, it might not have been moving as fast as it is right now, but they were simply just making music and reflecting, you know, on what it is that they saw. So again, you know, if you want to change the art then you have to change the reality that, you know, that art comes from. Right. Uh, because people, you know, artists and creatives are only responding to the stimuli that they get in the world. Amen. I know my favorite rapper, Jay-Z, he had a song mm. and he said that, you know, he felt like Scarface, the movie, did more damage than his songs, his music. And because you get the visual of the shooting and all that. And, and like you mm. said, it's coming from a place of reality. It's not like these things are being made up for songs it's not fictitious it's the reality that they're seeing they're bringing it out and even and even scarface scarface came from a reality of you know latin american and cuban american refugees who were coming to this country who were poor and didn't have any money and they came onto the shores and they made a dollar the best way that they could some of them found work and some of them began selling cocaine because they were trying to figure out how to live so you know, even if you watch the Scarface, Scarface is even a testament and a reflection of what was happening at that time. Uh, you know, Scarface, you know, came to America on a boat. He was a refugee, mm-hmm. did not have any money. And right. he worked his way up the chain the fastest way that he knew how. That's what Tony Montana knew how to do. He, yeah. walked, he worked and hustled his way up to the point of being a drug kingpin because as a Cuban or a Latino refugee coming to this country, mm-hmm. there were not that many opportunities that were available to him. So that in and of itself, we're not talking about black reality. We can talk about brown reality. Right. And that was the reality of a lot of brown people who came to you know America at that time during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, you know, during the, 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 the Kennedy era and the Lyndon B. Johnson era and the Vietnam era, they came here. That was the reality that they faced. Yeah. And that's what happened. So, again, if you talk about Scarface and the damage that it's doing, again, it was simply a reflection of the world that, you know, people were living in at the time. Again, you can't escape that correlation. You can't escape mm-hmm. it. Every scenario that people try to use, you know, there is a cause to that effect. Yeah. And I always make sure we go back to that cause. I'm not going to let you just harp on the effect mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let you just harp on the end result. We got to talk about the cause and we got to right. talk about where that comes from. So, you know, if you do that, then you have a better understanding of why, you know, what we're hearing now, what we're seeing now is happening because these things did not just pop up one day out of the sky. These right. things are a direct result of the world that we live in. Amen. So, I'm hearing you saying more than conscious is more reflective rap. I mean, mm-hmm. rap is reflective of, of what's going on. So when you think of it that way, then what responsibility does the community have? I mean, the community, the, the first line of defense is always the community. First line of defense is the community. Well, the first line of defense is the household mm-hmm. first. 
And unfortunately, you know, every young person and every kid, that line of defense is not always there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The households are not always complete. Uh, The households are sometimes broken. The households are sometimes not good places for them to be. But that's the first line of defense. Second line of defense is the community that you live in, the neighborhood that you live in, your neighbors, the church, the pastor, the business people that are in that neighborhood. If there are people that look like you, uh, the community is the second line of defense. And the responsibility of that community is to be a village. You know, everyone talks about how, you know, there are no longer any villages. And when, you know, everybody says, when I grow up, when I grew up, our neighborhood was a village. When I grew up, our community was a village. Uh, well, you know, that village is still there. Uh, but what happened was, is that the village didn't learn how to evolve when the rest of the world evolved. Mm. So a lot of kids fell through the cracks. Uh, and that second line of defense that was there in the community did not exist either. Yeah. So either there were kids who were either lucky enough or blessed enough to get out of that community and go someplace else and build something. Or there were those who were left in that community and left to try to pick up the pieces and left to try to survive in that environment. And when I say survive, I say survive as opposed to thriving in those environments. You have kids that are trying to survive in other more affluent neighborhoods and other more affluent communities. You have kids that can thrive because of their surroundings. So if one set of kids is trying to survive, by any means, and you have another set of kids that are thriving because of their surrounding, you're going to already see that's the conflict that exists right now in the music. That's the yeah. conflict that exists not right now in the world. When you have a lot of these artists who grew up in communities where they were trying to survive yeah. as opposed to thrive. Right. And that's what comes out uh, in the music. Uh, and you can tell the difference in those that were in communities that they had to survive as opposed to the artists that you see and there's a lot of them that did not grow up in impoverished conditions and didn't grow up in single parent homes and didn't grow up in a hood that are making a lot of money doing music right. but you can tell the difference uh you know what i'm saying and you can tell the authenticity yeah in it because there's a lot of those who try to act as if they came from communities where they were trying to survive but that authenticity authenticity excuse me is not there in the music and you can kind of tell it a lot of times and if you can't tell it as a consumer if you're not somebody that consumes you know, hip hop music, you know, the people that are actually doing it and that are actually from those communities, they can tell right off the bat. So, uh, yeah, the community, I, to answer your question around about fashion, the community is to me, the second line of defense. And I think the role of the community is to try to be a village to these kids that they see going astray. Right. Uh, once you see that there's no parental guidance in the household, once you see that, um, it's the job then of the churches and the pastors and the church mothers and the aunts and the uncles and whoever the, the OGs are in the neighborhood to try to embrace these kids and try to help bring them up. Doesn't always work. Doesn't always happen on the positive side. Sometimes it goes into the negative side and sometimes they get embraced by the OGs in the neighborhood and it ends up being something else. Yeah. Um, so it's not an exact science and I don't pretend to have all of the answers for that, right. but I do know that, you know, if the conditions are more favorable than they are now, the instances and the numbers and the percentages of the kids that we have that are falling through the cracks won't be, you know, what they are. I mean, you understand that as yeah. an educator, that's, that's kind of, you know, you're playing the law averages, you're playing the law numbers, you're playing the, uh, the laws of attrition, uh, all of those laws that you are playing with and putting into play when you're talking about kids and neighborhoods and 
social influences and outside things. And these kids these days have about 20 to 30 other things on top of what we had as kids for them to deal with as stimuli out in the world. The world is 50 times faster than what it was even 10 years ago. So a lot of people need to understand that these kids are dealing with a lot more. Like I hear all the time, I hear, you know, older people, you know, the old disgruntled, you know, cynical, you know, old farts (laughs) who, uh, you know, say, you know, the kids are this and the kids are that. Back in my day, we did this. Back in my day, we did that. All you got to do is whoop them and you got a chance to beat them and anybody could beat them on the street and that kind of thing. And these kids are dealing with so much more than what we had to deal with. They are attacked and inundated with so much more than what we had to deal with. They are so much smarter and they are grow up so much faster than we did. And it's not taking anything away from our generation for us to be able to admit that. It just shows our wisdom when we're able to recognize the fact that these kids are dealing with a lot more than what we were dealing with. Yeah. It's a lot more, a lot more stuff. You're right. That that, that we were, that they're dealing with now. Uh, You know, I've got grown kids and then I have an 11 year old. So, you know, on both ends of the spectrum, you know, I see what they're dealing with. Most of the people that I deal with in the business that I'm in, in the music business, most of them are younger than I am. Most of them are a lot of times, maybe 10, 15, 20 years younger than me. Uh, You know, I'm one of the few people, you know, in this city right now that has managed and been blessed enough to, you know, still remain viable and relevant, you know, Mm -hmm. in the business and the music around here. So, you know, the people that I run into, you know, I learn the challenges and the things that they're, they're, they're dealing with. And instead of me turning my nose up at it, I learn about it. Right. Uh, I have conversations with them about it and I've learned to evolve in my thinking because I had a lot of archaic thoughts and archaic ways of handling things for so long. And then once you talk to younger people and you understand what they go through, which is probably what our parents and our elders thought when we were their age and they thought things were crazy and out of whack. Uh, But, you know, now they see those that have been blessed enough to live another 10 to 15 years. They see how fast everything is and they see how quickly these kids can get access to information. Uh, So we've got to evolve. You know, the school system has to evolve. Teachers need to evolve. Administrators need to evolve. Everybody needs to evolve because truth be told, these younger kids are out thinking a lot of grownups in a lot of instances and yep. out thinking circles around them yeah. in a lot of instances. And that's why a lot of stuff is going on because older people are like, hey, you know, <laughs> nothing new under the sun. And, you know, yeah. I did all of this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nah, you, you did to a degree. Right. But not to the same degree that is happening right now. So yeah. you would be, you know, well served to maybe sit down a little bit. You never stop learning. Right. It doesn't matter how old you are. You never stop learning. So, you know, people who are wise and people who are smart, you know, understand and see things and they'll sit down with people. And, you know, when I started sitting down and asking questions, you know, and started learning, then I was able to take my experiences, which a lot of younger people have not been on this earth long enough to have. I was able to take my experiences and couple it with new knowledge and new things that I learned in talking to younger people and able to put something together that they can respect and they can hear and they can take in and they can receive it a lot better than somebody just berating them and pointing yeah. at them and talking to them in a way. Right. The same thing with the music, you know, the same thing with the music. Uh, 
instead of pointing fingers and berating, you know, these artists about what it is that they're doing, you know, get an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. Get an understanding of why they're saying what they're saying and then couple it with some of your experiences. And if you do that, it's going to be much easier for them to receive whatever advice it is that you're giving them as opposed to saying to them, your music is horrible. This is terrible. You guys are the reason that XYZ is happening in the world right now and hate yeah. this music. It was right. terrible. Our music was much better. This music is, is is bad and you should just not be listening to it. Radio stations <laughs> shouldn't play it. Clubs right. shouldn't play it. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. But that's not going to happen right. because for the most part, we're not the demographic that, you know, these radio stations and these record labels are trying to target anyway. Right. So you best be trying to figure out how to get to the crux of it yeah. and figure out how to help on the social justice piece, how to help to safeguard against some of the things that they have to deal with before it ends up in the music. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important thing. Conversations should be happening right now between, you know, older generations and older artists and younger artists and not the, you need to sit here and just listen to what I have to say type conversations, right. but real conversations where there's a dialogue. I'm hearing too much of, you know, sit down and listen to what I have to say and I'm right because I'm old and I lived it and you don't know what <laughs> right. you're talking about and, that kind of thing. And that's I hear too many of those conversations and you know for me when I was younger and I know for you the same thing as soon as I heard something delivered to me in that tone I instantly shut down. Oh yeah. Listening I'm, I'm tuned out all the way out at, from that point So on. you know I mean you know and my 11 year old does it to me right now you know if the conversation starts off sin starts <laughs> off like something she don't want to hear She's done with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she'll sit there and look at me. But after that, you know, you know, it's not really sinking in. No. So you have to learn how to communicate. Your communication skills are going to have to get better. Uh, cognitive skills is going to have to get better. You got to be a little bit more understanding of what's going on. Right. Well, thank you very much, Brad. That brings us to our on the block segment of the show. Brad brought up a lot of things that are necessary for us to merge music and make it be more reflective of what we're experiencing in our neighborhoods. One, we got to communicate. You can't just go in there with this, I know all because I've been through it all and let me teach you. Sometimes you have to show the people that you're trying to communicate with that there's value in their experiences. So you merge their experiences with your knowledge and then you have a recipe for success. When you start going in there trying to tell somebody how to live, immediately defensive walls come up and we're not listening the other thing we got to realize music is an art like brad said it's it's a reflection of our neighborhood so if you want the reflection of your neighborhoods to be different guess what our neighborhoods need to be different and that means us at the grassroots going in there and changing that being that auntie that uncle on the block that big brother that big sister on the block to those kids who are coming home to a TV in a microwave because mom and dad at home trying to work. We got to be more work together. We got to have more of a relationship with our neighbors. That time of going in and closing your eyes so you don't have to see your neighbors so they won't talk to you, that's got to stop. We got to be more collaborative with our neighbors and work together. Reflections comes from the streets and it reflects what we're living real life. So if we're going to be mad at anything, it's not the music. We got to be mad at what we're seeing in the streets. We can't be mad at this young rapper because he's, oh, he's a mumble rapper. I don't like what he's saying. 
Yeah, okay, but he's mumbling about his experience. So if you want the reflection to be different, you got to help the experience to be different. And that starts with us. We all have a play in this. And it comes from your door. You know my thing. You start on your block, it changes the next block, and it changes the next block. But if you want the music to stay the same, don't change anything. Leave it the way it is. But if you want to get in there and do something, this is the time to do it. And you can start just on your block. So, Brad, I want to say thank you again for coming on to the show. But I want to also know what are some of the things that you're working on? I know I saw on your Facebook you have a consultant um, service now. So, yeah, um, Hourglass Media Group, we are a full-service entertainment and artist consultation company as well. So I do consults and sessions with artists and uh, aspiring managers, people who want to get into the management game, aspiring labels. I'm, I'm really intent on uh, showing young people that there are other careers in the music business besides being an artist. Right. Um, you know, I've done the artist thing myself, but, you know, for those artists that continue to want to be in the music business and love music and love being around it, there are other, you know, occupations that you can do. So outside of the artists, you know, we basically do consultations with artists uh, that are trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate independently. They're figuring out how to book a tour, if they're figuring out about an album rollout, if they're just figuring out how to just get started and how to incorporate their their company or how to sign up with ASCAP or BMI from A to Z, you know, if there's anything that you need some consultation on, that's kind of what we do. So, you know, if you're interested and you're listening to this, you can email us at hourglassmediagroup at gmail.com. That's O. U R O U R G L A S S Hourglass Media Group at gmail.com. Uh, we do do virtual consults. A lot of my clients are outside of the state of Mississippi where I am right now. So, in this age of Zoom that we learned during the pandemic, uh, how convenient Zoom is, right. uh, we do virtual consultations as well. So, we're doing that. Uh, I have artists that I manage uh, right now. Uh, doing that every day. I have artists that I tour manage for uh, and uh, also, you know, running a small business incubator uh, with my bride called the Kundi Collective uh, where, you know, we have a space for black entrepreneurs, small businesses to come. It's a co-working space. It's also a place where you can come if you need office space you need to have meetings and that kind of thing. And we also do, you know, consultations with small businesses uh, on how to get started in business. Uh, a lot of people just don't know right. the beginning and where to get started. Uh, you know, the pandemic has inspired a lot of people to uh, begin businesses and to work from home and to be entrepreneurs and to be self-employed. And I think it's a fantastic thing. Uh, but I think a lot of people who have the energy and have the desire, don't have the information right. to do that right. Same thing with artists is the same thing with small businesses. So, you know, what we do is, is we help them with that as well. So, uh, again, uh, you can reach me at that email if you're interested. Uh, and, you know, we can just talk further from there. But that's kind of what I got going on. Cool. I will definitely make sure that I include your email and your social media in the description of the post. So when you find you. the post, look in the comments and you'll find his email and his social media. And also if you're looking or listening to this on a podcast, look there and you'll find it as well. Again, thank you so much for coming. Um, please click follow, 
subscribe on Apple, Anchor, or Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Bikita Pegram. Our website is BikitaPegram.com. Join us next month for one of the heavy hitters in education, Dr. Richard Ed, um, Redrick from University of Texas. We are going to be talking about the Underground Railroad of PWIs. We discovered that many black students have found a way to share their resources of who to talk to, when to talk to, and where to go on PWIs because they fit, they, they're a small collection. They're a small population on these big campuses, and they have to work together to navigate to graduation, which is always the goal. So thank you for tuning in. We look forward to talking to you next week. And again, go forth and be great. Be keyed out. <laughs>